Welcome to That Infertility Chick Podcast, a podcast for women, couples, communities, and families about infertility and the journey of trying to conceive. I am your podcast host, Sharonda Ford, licensed clinical mental health counselor and author of Chasing Rainbows. This podcast was created for women to know they are not alone, to grow and be strengthened by the stories of others, and to find hope during hard times. We encourage individuals who do not know this journey, but want to understand how to support others to tune in. You will find information on how to love and hold space for those you know. As a psychotherapist and silent sufferer, it was critical to create this podcast in space of healing and hope. Stay tuned and listen in as we dispense hope and recipes for healing on this journey. Hey, y'all, I'm so excited about season two of That Infertility Chick. This season is special because in it, I get to highlight the stories of some amazing women I met in the Daughters of Hannah support community. These are my sisters. These are my sisters in the struggle. These women have life-changing, heart-wrenching stories that you want to hear. Hearing these stories normalizes the process pain, and pressure of trying to conceive. The stories remove the stigma of infertility as these women find their voice in their story and their journey. My mantra for this season is, you matter, your life matters, your story matters. I want to bring to you, in addition to my own stories, thoughts, and perspectives, the stories of sisters just like me, just like us. If you have a story of infertility and trying to conceive and you want to learn more about sharing your story, be sure to contact us. In the meantime, tune in to this next episode of That Infertility Chick with your podcast host, author, speaker, counselor, and coach, Sharonda Ford. And don't forget, head on over to Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere books are sold for your copy of Chasing Rainbows by Sharonda Ford. God bless. I am so excited today. I am Sharonda Ford, licensed clinical mental health counselor and that infertility chick, author of Chasing Rainbows in Pursuit of Your Purpose, Promise, and Plan for My Life. And I am excited to be joined with another amazing thriver of the infertility community, a sister that I met through Daughters of Hannah uh, group on Facebook. And we're going to just talk and share as we have been doing all season long. So I want to introduce you to Tina Marie, and I want her to tell you about herself. So I am not going to take up her time. Tina Marie, welcome, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me today on the That Infertility Check podcast. Hello, and thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here. I am excited. I know you and I have already talked, so I've heard um, some things about your incredible story and can't wait to share it with the listeners. So I want you to just take a moment and tell the listeners, tell us, right, me included, a little about yourself and maybe where you're from and why you've decided to tell your story at this time. Sure. So I'm from Atlanta. 
Um, and I've chosen to, to tell my story at this time because one thing is, um, as I was going through the journey, I was uninformed and did not realize it. And so one thing is my hope is that I can help someone else or, or actually more than one, many other people to not have to go through what I went through um, because unfortunately I didn't realize that I was uninformed until I was towards the end of, I won't, I won't call it the end because I have not had my success yet, but um, for about a year, you know, I went through and I had insurance coverage for um, a good chunk of that year. And, and unfortunately my insurance ran out. So at this point um, we have to do some creative financing and figuring out, you know, how we're going to move forward with. And so while I had the coverage and, you know, I didn't have to worry about that piece. We could have probably been a little more efficient with the process. Um, and so I just don't want others to have to go through what I went through. I think that is, um, it just rings true to what so many others are saying. Uh, I'm excited, right? And I was excited to hear some of your story. We have to be intentional as sisters um, on this journey together to raise the voice, to free others from the stigma, to silence the shame that's associated with this journey, this infertility, this chase and rainbows, and really help other people so that they don't have to experience some of the same pain and uh, disappointment and uh, the lack of knowledge, right, that we experience along this journey. Because it's difficult when you don't have someone on this journey with you, you don't know what to look for, what to ask for, you just know what to hope for, right? And so that's where we are. So I'm super excited. Um, I want to start by you telling us how long you've been on this journey. Sure. So I've been going through this journey for a little over a year. Um, I started my IVF process um, September 2021. And I just um, most recently had my last procedure. I'll say it was uh, um, actually September. Let me back it up. It was September 2020. And okay. I had my most recent um, procedure, September 2021. So it's exactly a year. Wow. Did How did that feel when September 2021 hit and you were still in this process? How did that feel for you? It was very difficult, to be honest with you. And I will say um, felt very discouraged, very deflated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, and when I started, you know, the IVF journey a year ago, September 2020, and I knew there was a chance that, you know, I would not have success the first time. But however, I didn't realize I would have had to go through as much as I've gone through. And, um, you know, I've gone through two retrievals, four transfers, five embryos. And um, and even through that process, you know, and, and I've talked to the doctor. And I've actually had a, a few different consultations because I, you know, I'm looking into changing clinics. And each doctor that I've spoken with, and each of them just say, they, wow, you've had a journey. Because just because my story, it just has not been typical. You know, um, you know, I've been told, you know, and, and my reason for IVF is male factor fertility um, and infertility. So I was told that, you know, I look good on paper. Everything's fine. You know, and every time we've had, you know, um, I think we call it the baseline, you know, before we start around at the base round, base, base um, line, you know, um, tests and blood tests, blood work and everything. I've always been told fine, mid check, fine, in, fine. I've always been told fine, everything looks good. And yes, so no baby. And and even after the repeated failures, and each time I'd ask, hey, you know, is there anything that, you know, showed why this happened? And no, no answers. And I've even done 
um, you know, additional testing. You know, I've gotten, you know, an ERA. I've gotten an, uh, most recently a hysteroscopy about, you know, a month ago. And it's just like everything fine, fine. So it's just been really discouraging. And, um, you know, of course, you know, and I'm a person of faith and I've always, I've been really good at, you know, having faith, you know, my whole life and I've had to have it for different things. But um, I'll say my faith towards the tailing, my faith has just kind of been slightly challenged just being honest here, being real. And, um, and in some aspects, and even just kind of getting angry, um, you know, instead of gone through this, I've gone through the motions, everything the doctor said I did every, every medication I took it when it needed to be taken every shot, every, whatever I've done it all right. And still no results. And and then seeing it. And I've, um, and throughout this year, I've met, you know, others who've gone through the process and, I, I wish success for every IVF warrior princess. That's what I call us to all of us. I want mm-hmm. success for everyone. But sometimes it's, you know, it can be discouraging when you're seeing, you know, everyone else, they're getting their successes through this process. And here you are a year later and you don't have it. And some, they, you know, they had their the instant success. One round, a bunch of eggs, first transfer, boom. And once again, I've had two retrievals, four transfers, five embryos. And, you know, so... Been been challenging, but you know, even though it's been challenging, I still I still try to you know be, remain positive, hold on to my faith, and you know that's all I can do at this point. <laughs> it's it's interesting, and um, I know I've talked probably in previous uh, episodes of the podcast and in the book. I don't go into depth about my journey um, specifically, just because that wasn't what the direction I wanted to go in with the book at that time. But when I hear your story, when I hear the stories of others and uh, all of that, right, the five embryos, the transfers, the those things, it, it is such a heavy uh, burden. I don't think people realize the trauma associated with IVF and or any of the assisted fertility processes. And so even just today, I was um, preparing for something that I'm going to be doing. And I talked about the trauma, right? That that trauma of when you're taking the shots, the trauma, just like you said, of going to the doctor's appointments, um, the two-week wait, the check to see if the there's viable eggs. Tell me a little bit about how you've managed that. And do you consider that trauma? Oh, yes, I definitely consider it trauma. Now, I will say I probably did not begin considering some of that to be trauma until after I've been there and done that for nine months. It looked like probably the nine-month mark, um, no pun intended, but around the nine-month mark of going through that and still, you know, and and there's a lot involved in the process. And I was fortunate where, um, you know, I feel like some of my symptoms may not have been as challenging as, you know, others have experienced, but at the same time, it's aggravating. So, you know, the shots. And so, you know, and with the shots, they have to be done a certain time of day. So you have to try to um, plan your life around, you know, the shot has to be done at this time, but with life, you can't always do that. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you might be in the car in the middle of a highway, having a pool over, find some, okay, where can I give myself a shot? Where I'm trying to figure out how am I going to keep my, um, my meds cold? There's certain ones that have to be refrigerated. They're not refrigerated. You can ruin, you can ruin it. And our medications, they cost thousands of dollars for me. Right. $7,000 around. I don't have $7,000 to just sell out, you know? And so, right. <laughs> and then on top of that, it gets drained. And then even 
the, some of the shots and meds, like they have um, different side effects. And so um, some of them bruising, you know, itchiness, burning. Um, the one shot, there's one shot, the progesterone, you have to do it in the butt. My butt, you know, I take that. I feel like I ran a marathon and sat on the couch for two days, you know, and so uh-huh. there's a lot. And then even just, um, you know, and it, it affects your mood, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, you're, and you're constantly on hormones. And so in breaking out, like, you know, I think I told people at one point, I felt like my face, I looked like a teenage boy because I just had pimples <laughs> everywhere. You know, I'm 30 and I haven't had pimples in 20 years, you know, and so um, mm-hmm. it's, and then it's just, and it's annoying. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and so with the doctor's appointments, you know, it's, it's not like the regular doctor, the regular doctor, they tell you, you have an appointment, your appointments in, you know, it's in a month at this time with IVF, everything, it's just a matter of, it depends, you have monitoring and depending on how everything looks, that will determine. So a lot of times you're not getting the call until the day before, Hey, we need you to come in. We need you to be there at nine o'clock. Um, I have a job and doing my okay. job, you know, um, my boss knows that I'm going through the process, but you know, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty quiet about it. And with what I do, it's it's fast paced, you know, you need it, you know, and so I and trying to, you know, be able to take time away from work when it not affect the work, because, of course, you don't want to be a problem and you get called to the office, you're missing work or you're missing these things. And so it's a lot to manage and having to manage that for once again, 12 months. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. And and, mm-hmm. and that is a, that's a class of trauma that, you know, I never knew existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think I, I love the way you said that. It's a lot. It's trauma you never knew existed. Uh, I work with someone. I work with people as a therapist. You know, and the first thing I say to people when they call, because I specialize in trauma, is uh, have you experienced any trauma? And most people are like, no, 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 I've never had any trauma. And then I'll tell people, listen, if you stub your toe on a bed, that could be traumatic, right? We we dismiss it. But I think that just like you said, that your side effects or what you experienced was not maybe as bad a comparison to others. It doesn't mean that your trauma is not, you know, valid. And so we look at that for so many people. uh, I always say that most people think of trauma and they think of the war or they think of uh, they've been in a car accident or a fire or something like that. And there's big T trauma and little t trauma. I don't even think infertility falls under the little t trauma. But I think we have to realize that we don't have to measure or decide something is trauma in in comparison to someone else. And so I love the way you said that. That's your journey. What you experienced is hard. You're watching people win, so to speak, or, you know, have that hope um, realized. And then you're still in that process. And that's traumatic. Hearing, um, birth announcements from people you love or close to you or you've watched on its journey, that can be traumatic. And so I love how you, you know, how you said you didn't realize it, but you do. Um, So you said this, I know we hadn't talked about it, but you just touched on it. And you talked about the medication and how it impacts your mood. So I hope you don't mind me asking that, but if you can, can you share that? Um, I, I literally, I'm serious, like feeling in my spirit, like there, there's a, there's a um, extension of trauma in everything that you said from that question. You know, I, I can hear the different things that are traumatic in that question and that answer you gave. So tell me about that. Sure. And so with the moods, it's like, and it's kind of funny because even with the moodiness, I feel like I said, I didn't have it as bad as some others, 
but even when I would, you know, have my moments or, you know, aggravating or aggravated or whatever or different moods. And sometimes, you know, I didn't know where they came from. I didn't know, did I not get enough rest? Um, you know, is it the meds? Is it, you know, PMS? Is it whatever, you know? And so, so I think it, it took me a while to realize I was being affected um, by the meds. And so with me, you know, and um, so one thing in terms of, I feel like I was just aggravated all the time. And with my job and, and my job, you know, with what I do, I mean, they, they can work me, you know, even without <laughs> IVF meds. But, you know, it definitely, I feel like my feelings were intensified. Um, but however, you know, it's tough because, you know, you have these feelings, you're, you're trying to manage them because you can't, you know, you can't let, you can't let them come out at all times. It's just not appropriate, you know? And so, um, and I'm at work and I'm, I'm telling some of those people, I just wanted to shake them up so bad and give them a piece of my mind, but, but I can't, I just have to sit there and not embarrass. Um, in addition, you know, I'm married and, and I love my husband and he's, he's an awesome guy. Wouldn't train him for the world. And, you know, and poor him, you know, he could probably tell you about my, 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 from that. And, you know, so even small things he would say or do and harmless and, uh, I'd, you know, ready to fly at a hinge or, you know, or, or offended over some, something stupid, you know? And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just someone, you know, someone passed me the wrong way. I mean, you know, makes me mad, you know, just, you know, you know, I'm a sensitive person, but I feel that I, that sensitivity just intensified exponentially. Um, so I will say that. And, and the fact that, you know, and I was going through it and, and I will say for most of that year, I was constantly going through, it was like, you know, one cycle finish up and I was into another cycle and then into another one. And it's just like, for a year, almost a year straight. It's just, just, just you know, this crazy, this crazy woman. Exhausting. Um, so, yeah. And, and also and exa- exhaustion. That's another one. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Being so like, sometimes it just felt like I just can never get enough sleep, especially when I was on progesterone. And thankfully I was on progesterone the whole time, but it was just like a constant tired. And, um, and it's almost like, almost like needing coffee to get through the day. But however, one of the things they tell you is, they say you can have caffeine, you can have one glass of, co- um, of coffee or one cup of coffee a day, but but it's not encouraged. So, of course, you know, trying not to have coffee and trying to be natural. And I mean, that would just be rough. <laughs> I, I, it's, it, I, it's interesting. I'm just kind of like, oh, my goodness, you said so much. Uh, but just even being at work, right, with going through this process, no one knows you're going through this process. You are experiencing these highs and lows and you have to show up. What is it like to have to show up when you really just don't have it in you? And that can be really hard. Um you know, I've trained myself to, this is what I have to do, but I will say it was the hardest after, you know, getting those calls with bad news and, you know, you know, the calls that it didn't work. And so, you know, some days, you know, or, and I'll say with a few of my transfers, I've done my own testing at home before. Um, so what I would do it, and they tell you when, after you have your transfers, do not test, they set an appointment for you to come back in 10 days or so, depending on your, your situation to get a test at the doctor's office. And I would do pretty good. But to me, for me, one thing I would do is like, there's so much science in the process. And so, you know, a decision I made was with, at least with the testing, I that, I wanted to find out I was pregnant from, be able to do it like normal people. I wanted to be, rather than okay, go to the doctor's office, I get a needle and I get a call on the phone. So yeah. um, anytime I would have a transfer on the morning of, they call it beta, I yeah. would, um, that morning I would do a test at home and then, um, and of course I would go to beta whenever later on a day. And so, so first off, 
you know, after my beta, you know, and, and I, I start, I log on to work at 7.30 a.m. So usually I'll take my beta before work. And so I, you know, take, do my, te- or not my beta, my home pregnancy test, take my test. Mm-hmm. And then it's like 7.30 rolls around, I have to log in. And it's just like, oh, and then I log in there, you know, a, a stack of emails waiting for me. And it's just like, you know, I really don't feel like it, you know, but even so, um, but they say sometimes even when you test at home, there's still a the chance that, you can have a positive after getting a false at, you know, or the negative at home. So even a piece of me still just, you know, um, that faith, that hope, just, you know, being optimistic. And so I'm still, still, even though I'm deflated, but okay, let down, but still, you know, pump myself up. And then a couple hours later, when you fast forward and I get the official call now, so it's just like, here we go again. So it's like not getting no just once, I'm getting no twice. And, you know, and at work and they're coming, you know, they'll come at you with stuff, which to you is just like, you know what, none, none of this matters. It's mm-hmm. just like, if you realize like I'm, you know, but, but you're forced into it, you can't, you know, and so, and even and with my, with my job, um, I, I'm HR and I'm mm-hmm. HR for consultants. And so sometimes a consultant will come to me with, I hate to say it, but just being real stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Are you really coming at me with that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Or, you know, and sometimes, you know, I have to, you know, in, um, you know, time sheets is a big thing I can do with that work, having to beg adults to submit their time sheets. Yes. And so, you know, and then, you know, or, or, you know, or let's say if I, I'm begging you, hey, I'm begging you to send you this time sheet. And you have something like nasty to say. And I'm like, are you serious? I'm trying to help you. Uh-huh. And, you know, I don't really feel like dealing with you. I'm like, I don't care if you don't get paid. It's not, it's not mm-hmm. my business. And I get paid the same mm-hmm. seller regardless. You know, but of course, you know, but you can't. You still have to be professional. And it gets so hard. And even with the professionalism that I, you know, I'm able to exhibit, I, you know, I have on, on those failure days after getting news, you gotta dig so I've had to dig so deep places where so I deep. didn't know there was somewhere to dig from just to get to the day. Because every time you get news, you can't just, oh, a PTO, oh no, no, you have to continue life. And even mm-hmm. sometimes um, after failure, there may, may be, you know, events. Oh, here's a good one. Um, so right after I'll say my first failure and I feel like, I don't know, there was something in the air. And, I, and at that time we were, you know, in the middle of COVID after people stuck at home, but, you know, people when they're at home that, you know, that's what they do. And mm-hmm. so um, there were many people <laughs> right <laughs> in my close vicinity, pregnancy needs. And so, um, you know, within days of hearing of my trans, my failure, um, you know, my younger sister, um, she's pregnant. Um, maybe a couple weeks later, a, a cousin, she's pregnant. Um, and then a, a close friend of mine who actually is the one who, who um, hooked up me and my husband, her and her husband, they played matchmaker, matchmaker. And, um, and with the first transfer, I remember, and with them, and I hate to say it, but I feel like there's kind of been this kind of unspoken competition with them in some aspects. Um, you know, at the beginning of our relationship, my husband used to compare us to them. And then we finally, so, and I was telling him, like, hey, it's us, you know, no compare. So then I got to a point where some things, it's like, I go to comparing with them and and I love them. So I don't want there to be any anyone to even think. I love them that they're wonderful people. But, you know, um, first failure, you know, we get, they send us, a, 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 I think a Christmas card or some some type of notice they do it every year with a notice of updates of what's going on and sure enough, pregnant and her due date around when I would have been due. And it's just like, oh my gosh, you know? And so, um, and there, and I can, and I can probably rattle off another, you know, five examples, but right. it's just like, oh, and I feel like it's hard having to hear others be pregnant and have children. But when um, it's like, 
in your close, tight vicinity. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And and and, and the challenging is, and of course, you and you are happy for them. Mm-hmm. And you have to be happy, but at the same time, there's a piece of you that is so hurt and so torn, and it takes so much for you. You know, you're happy for them, but it takes so much to be able to, you know, give the congratulations or to, or to give that hug or to, or to whatever. Um, and having to do that, you know, repeatedly. And, and after, and the first, with my first um, round, I, I kind of, I had a, a traumatic experience in more ways than one um, stuff that just way beyond stuff that shouldn't have happened, happened, um, you know, with the process. So on having to deal with that trauma and then deal hard, <laughs> very hard. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even though, Fast forward and I've, you know, I've been there, done that. I've been through the game, you know, this time I'm a pro, I'm a pro receiving the rejections, uh-huh. but even now, and I feel like in some ways it's even harder now because like I did it X, Y, Z times. And I have a cousin who's, you know, I'm, him and his girlfriend having a baby and I'm, I'm so happy for him. And his cousin, he's more kind of like a son to me, you know, because there's the age difference and mm-hmm. um, his mother and I just that close. And, you know, and they're having a baby and um, my aunt, you know, she, and this, she's going to be a grandma for the first time. And she's so excited and, and her calling and the constant calls. And it's just like, and, and, and she'll go on for an hour about this. And it's, and it's just hard. It's really hard, but, but I'm got to be happy for, her. I have to be, you know, this, this is, this is my sister. This is like my son. I gotta, but whew, it mm-hmm. is hard. <laughs> and I think I probably went on a long tangent on that, but whoo. But you know what, I, 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 you went on a long tangent, maybe, but not as long as it could be, because we know that in this process, this is happening every day, whether it's on the news, whether it's people close, whether, I mean, I've had to give baby showers, I've been in sonogram appointments, I've done these things, and you do them because you love the people that you do them for, but it does come at a price for our wellness, and so one of the things I encourage people to do is that, one is, when you're on the this journey and you're not sharing it with others, when you're on this journey and you're not um, able to, to tell people what you are experiencing, then they don't recognize it or they don't recognize that there is something happening. They don't recognize that, um, that, that you can't show up, that you don't have the capacity to show up because you are grieving, right? And so for me, people did not know what I was experiencing, but I was showing up for different people. I had to show up in different places. And for years, I was tagged as abrasive or just nasty or moody and all of these things. And once the book came out, people were like, what? And so I've referenced in either podcast episodes or the book, like a couple of real significant events where, you know, people just felt like I was not present and it was after miscarriage or after, you know, something failed. And there was, there was, there's this connection now. It's like, oh my gosh, this, that what was happening. And it is. And so I'm glad that even as you pointed those things out because these are the things that as listeners hear this this podcast they will be able to say you know what I can relate to this I had to show up for my sister I had to go to work I had to get emails at work I've been overwhelmed and we're and it really just solidifies the fact that we're not alone we're not alone and we're not exempt Right. So we're not exempt from as Christians, as women or whatever the um, the the identity we have, we're not exempt from feeling. 
And I think the more we talk about this, the more we raise the voice and, and uh, silence the stigma, the more freedom other women will have, right? So I know we kind of um, went a different direction, but I want you to tell me, what is it that you wish other women knew about this journey? If you had to mentor someone or you met someone, what two to three things would you tell them in preparation for this journey, whether it's for them, whether it's to support someone they love or, or just to share, what would you share? Sure. And I think I want to answer from, give an answer for both sides, someone going through and someone who has to support. Um, for those who are getting ready to go through the journey, one thing is, you know, as hard as it is, um, hope and positivity, they make a huge difference. Um, you know, God, you know, he, if it wasn't for him, I would not have been able to. So, you know, lean on him. And, you know, and even though you may, you know, you may have your support system, but definitely, you know, and it'll be great, but he can help hurt and heal and get you through better than anyone can. So definitely, you know, depend on him, talk to him and be real about it. He knows what you're going through. Um, mm -hmm. And then secondly, you know, you know, and as you know, you mentioned a few moments ago, you're not alone. And although most people do not talk about the journey, but it is very common and it's more common than you realize. And the statistic is one in eight go through it. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and even one thing that I've even just my own personal journey. And so I am in different IVF support groups on Facebook and things like that. And, and one thing interesting, ooh, um, so there are people that I've, people that I know, like that I've, you know, either went to school with, worked with different things and learn that they've gone through the journey. And, mm -hmm. even, and some of them, um, some of them are in the same groups and had no idea. And all of a sudden, like, they'll like a post I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's so-and-so from, you know, from college or whatever. Or sometimes people who are brave enough, you know, on their personal page, they'll say something. Um, mm -hmm. So there, you know, there are more people out there than you realize. And so one thing I would encourage is to find a support network of other of others going through the same journey. Like I said, there are many Facebook groups. Um, there are, you know, there are church groups. There are different um, you know, meet up, you know, either, if there's not a meetup out there, create one, um, you know, and I know, and, and I'm in Atlanta and, you know, there's a local, we have a local Atlanta Facebook group and we get together and we have outings. And, and one of my, one of my, one of my closest friends at the moment is, you know, from one of those groups. So um, definitely fine because um, it's, it's a sisterhood and, you know, and you can complete strangers um, you, you, you can get more comfy. It's funny. You can feel closer to these strangers online sometimes than people that you've known for, you know, for 30 years or so. So definitely find, um, you know, find a network also. And many people don't talk about it. And the few stories that you do hear about IVF, you probably hear more of the easy stories, the open and shut textbook where they had, you know, they had one retrieval, they had 20 embryos, they had, um, you know, 25 and you know, 15 in their freezer. They, First one or two transfers, boom, success. Um, but for many people, that's not as common. You hear that the most, but that's not common. There are many right. years. And one of my um, buddies from my local group, um, uh, I think her husband, I think for three years, even though I know other cases of, I know other people in the group, people who aren't as local, 10 years. I've heard, I've heard people who literally, who had double digit at like 20, 30 you know, transfers. I hear some people like, you know, they'll have a uh, retrieval and they only get like maybe one or two eggs. So they, they're constantly just retrieving before they even transfer, you know? So, um, there are, so if your scenario, I, 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 I hope everyone has open and shut 
case. But realistically speaking, for those um, out there like me who don't have the open and shut, um, realize you're not the only one who's having the challenging journey. It's just you just may not be hearing about it. Um, and thirdly, for the and this will be the last piece of advice for someone going through the journey, um, be um, definitely do your research and advocate for yourself. Because one of the mistakes that I made when I made the comment earlier about being misinformed, I was under the impression that, you know, my clinic, my doctors, they would tell me everything. They would tell me the, you know, what everything means. They would tell all the op, tell me all the options available. But honestly, um, you know, and, and I have an awesome doctor, you know, but just the way the clinics they're running, the way they're set up and yes, they, they do care for you and they want you to succeed, but they have their own set of guidelines. They have their own interests, you know, um, you know, st- statistics. They're um, trying to be careful to protect their statistics and may not be as willing to do some of the experimental things and like that. So, but one thing is do your research because, you know, um, and, and, and there are different sources, you know, other IBF warrior princesses, I'll say a lot of my source information was mm-hmm. others. Um, you know, there, there are many resources online. Um, um, and also like, it, and ask the questions because, you know, I would get results and they would say, okay, well, your AMH level is this, you know, and it's within a range, but let's say it was on the low end of the range. Your FSH is this, you're, you know, they're, they're quoting. I'm in HR. Before that, I worked in finance and I taught for a while. I don't know anything about this. This is the jargon of what these numbers mean. So ask, hey, what is AMH? What, what does AMH mean? What does that translate to in layman's terms? Okay, yeah, you told me my number was this. What, did, what specifically does that mean with my number? Um, you know, and so because unfortunately, you know, my journey, I, I've learned at the tail end after we're doing a look back that my egg, you know, my egg reserve um, is low. And I guess apparently it's been low. And so I was told my AMH number, but it was still technically within the, the range, you know, there's the low end, the high end, it was on the low end, but it was within range. So I'm thinking I'm okay, but then it turned out, well, there's a, there's a, there's an issue. There's, there's a, you know, a deeper issue. And it's just like, oh, what have, that's what have been known. Even um, the last retrieval that I had, or yeah, the last retrieval I had and with the embryos I've gotten, um, I learned that most of those were poor quality. They didn't tell me. I learned they were day six embryos. I thought they were day, day five. Um, there's lots of things. So basically, you know, ask questions and, and, you know, and don't be afraid of sounding like a pain, you know, a pain in the neck. No, like it's you, you are spending a lot of money. You're going through a lot of process. You know, it's a, um, it's a lot of emotion. It's a lot physically. Um, and you're not, you're not an IVF doctor, so <laughs> you don't know everything. So ask those questions and, um, and be an advocate. And so even with some, when, after I had the repeated failures and on my head, I'm thinking, okay, you're the expert give me, what are our options? I had to do research and I had to go to them. I say, Hey, you know, I'd like to get an ERA, you know, Hey, I would like to get a hysteroscopy. And that's stuff that I learned from my, you know, warrior princess network. They never came to me with that. To me, I'm thinking after three, tra- three failures, like, come on, hello, <laughs> you know, there's uh-huh. something. Uh-huh. let's look further. Um, so definitely be, be your own advocate, do your research and don't be afraid to ask questions. Very important because honestly, if I would have known that going in, there are certain things specifically I know that could have been done differently. And I could potentially have a baby or two in my arms right now. Um, So my next piece is for those who are not, who are the support system. And so first off, I'm going to thank you. And those, you know, those that you are supporting, they may never tell you, they may never tell you, thank you. They may never tell you, but you being there, it is so, it means so much. 
and you're doing more for them than you can ever know. So number one, don't, you know, don't take that for granted. Um, but secondly, um, the process is hard. And so um, I know with some things, you, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to help, but you're, but you're not helping. So, you know, an example I'm going to give is, you know, constantly asking um, about the process. So I remember when I started my journey and my husband and I, we, we kept just maybe five people know max. And I remember one of my really good friends that I told us, I'm going through this now. And I, and I specifically told, I said, we're not really communicating. And I said, because if something were to happen, I don't want someone coming to me and asking me questions, you know, because it's after a failure, it's so, it's so hard and it's such a grieving process and it takes so much just to, you know, to get over that. And, you know, different people have different grieving process times for that. Mm-hmm. And once you finally at a point where, you, you know, you, you become okay and then to be, you know, and being asked about it and having to talk about it, like it, 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 it it's hard and it takes you back to in, from where you come from. And it's sometimes it's just so hard. So it's just, um, I know, you know, you, you're concerned and want to help and you want to help, but um, let us come to you. Don't real, don't go asking us questions. And especially if someone told you, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to just leave it be. And even if we don't come to you and, 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 and sometimes it takes time for success, if we don't come to you until that success three years down the road, still, please just don't ask because it, it's really hard. <laughs> um, and let's see what else. And, and different people will need their support system in different ways. And so like for me, I just gave the example. I don't want to talk about it. On the flip side, there might be another person who wants to talk about it all day, all night. However, your person expresses that they need or not need you. Just be mindful and just just do that. And you may think, well, well, but 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 this might be, or, or I want to no, just just stick to whatever they tell you. No matter how much you may want to help, no matter how much you may think you may know how to just um, just be there in a way that they need you to be there. Oh, and another yeah. thing, pray, pray for us. Even if you know, even if we don't tell you to pray, or even if you may not be praying with us, but just um, hold us up in prayer because the Bible says when two and three are there, they're in the midst of them. Um, there are power. There's power in numbers. So. So um, we can always use a prayer, even those you may not know, even complete strangers. Pray for all the warrior princesses out there. Um, right. You know, all of us can use it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I know I know I can. And I'm not turning down the opportunity to pray for someone else either that's on this journey, because I understand um, what the journey does. Uh, as we wrap up, I don't want to exclude the other half of you on this journey. And so I know we went in a totally different direction than intended, but I think that, of course, that was God's plan uh, as, you know, just identifying some of those key things, learning more about the infertility, the IVF process and what that looks like. But I want to know, um, just as we wrap up, um, how has the, the, how has this process um, impacted your marriage and um, the relationship you have with your husband? Sure. And so um, I hear with IVF, the process, sometimes it, it, it can tear couples apart, create rift, things like that. But I, fortunately, um, I, for my husband and myself, it's made us closer. And it's made us closer in, different, in a couple of different ways. And with us, and I, I think I briefly mentioned earlier, we chose not to publicize our journey. And so we, so with us, we just have each other and with each, you know, all the ups and downs. And unfortunately we probably had more downs and ups, um, you know, 
we're, you know, we're each other's, um, you know, support. And um, emotionally, I probably need more emotional support than my husband. I guess my husband, I guess, is a manly man. But so he, you know, doesn't mean I want to talk as much as, you know, I need to talk. But even still, the little bit that, you know, he may want to you know, talk and share, you know, he's able to share that with me. Um, at one point, you know, we had we, we, we talked to a counselor about IBS and, and, you know, our, you know, just things that were going on. And even uh, and so even though there were some things that we had shared with each other, there was a lot that we didn't show to each other for different reasons, because, you know, we're both going through. So, you know, you kind of, you want to be strong for the other half or mm-hmm. you don't want to, you know, you know, make them, you know, bring them down further, make them feel down further because of, you know, your negative, your, your thoughts. And they might be having a good day and you might be having a, a not so good day. And so you don't want to bring them down because, you know, like, you know, it, it was hard for them to get the good day. So there were some things we didn't show with each other. And in that counseling session, just kind of talking through some of our inner um, our, our innards, I like to call them, and um, and even talk about some of the needs of, or you know, I you know, I need this for my spouse, but you know, I, I don't want to ask because of you know this that, and so all that you know was able to come to surface, and and then having information, we're better to support each other even more, and so with my husband, you know, so one thing, um, and earlier on, I feel like I've gotten better with the grieving process in some aspects, um, but in the beginning, grieving was hard. Like in the beginning, um, you know, I got the news. I was bummed for a few hours. I was fine. I, you know, I prayed and I, you know, I felt, you know, peace. Um, oddly, I felt a peace. But then a couple of weeks later, it's like, oh, you know, that's when I had the the spell or, you know, and it would just, it literally, it would just come in waves and it would just, it would be random. It's almost like, you know, grieving, you know, when you've lost a loved one, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's probably hard to understand how can you grieve over something you've never had or, you know, but it's, it is a grieving process. So, um, and he's been there for me and, you know, and he'll just let me cry. He'll just let me, you know, express and, and on the flip side and he can express. And so um, that's been helpful for our relationship. But another way it's helped us is, um, it's caused us to pray together more. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, us praying together jointly, you know, that's brought us together close, uh, you know, more close. And, and even in another, and let's see, how else would I say? Uh, I mean, I can probably go on and on and on, but, but basically I know we're, um, to be, you know, mindful of the sake of time. I'll say those are some of the main ways and how it's, you know, the process has brought us closer together. I love that. And I love how you said that, um, you just had one another, right? Because of the choice that you made to not publicize it. Uh, I did a post earlier this week on social media that talked about inviting spouses for spouses, just in general, husbands, wives, to invite your spouse into the hard times. And it's important that we do that, right? And so for me, one of the things that I really had to learn is that, and you and I may have talked about this a little, is that we grieve differently, and we respond differently. And so I was uh, assessing where he was on his grief journey and how he felt about it by watching his actions. And I literally was on the floor, stretched out or in the shower on the floor, and he would have to come get me out of there, like drenched. Uh, and he was more, you know, just resolved that this is the will of God and we're going to trust God. And he's like, what is wrong with you? Like, dude, you're not mad. You're not mad at God. Like, what are we doing here? And so I learned that 
um, in that and through this process that just because the way he grieves doesn't look like how I grieve doesn't mean he isn't grieving and vice versa. So I always want to encourage that. And then um, you said you said something you said regarding and know it seems crazy to grieve something that you never had. And so I, that doesn't seem crazy at all. Right. Because you're grieving the possibility of a thing. You're grieving um, something that you dreamt about. You're grieving something that has not been realized. And, and while you said I'm doing right now, I'm doing better with grief. I always caution people that grief is not linear. Right. So there's no I'm done with this and I went through these steps and I'm good now. Um, it shows up. And for us and for women on this journey, it shows up in birth announcements. It shows up in pitches on social media. It shows up for me, like around the holidays when everybody else is shopping for their kids and I just want to go buy toys for strangers. It shows up differently. And so we want to respect those feelings and honor them, right? And not feel like we're defective because they show up. Like, you're not over that yet? Or you still hanging on? Yes, I am. I'm still hanging on to that. No, I'm not over that. And my feelings are valid. And so I want you to, to if, if you don't take anything else away from that, to remember that your feelings are valid and that you have the right to grieve when you want to grieve and to invite him into hard times. Well, thank you for that reminder, because uh, I probably do forget that from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> and we and we do we do this not just with spouses with everyone. Um, we assess uh, what the capacity is that other people have for our stuff, right? So I don't want to share this with them because this might be too heavy. They're going through this, and it's not fair of people who would want to be present for us. So that's another thing: is to be mindful that you don't always get to decide what other people can handle. Yeah, I think you can say that again. <laughs> I, I say it all the time. You know, some, um, some, you know um, I'll just give the example. My mom does it all the time. Well, I didn't want to bother you, or you were working. I'm like, my, you don't, you don't get to choose when I'm available for you, right? Because I get to choose that you're a priority. But we do that in our marriage. We do it in relationships. We determine and decide that other people are not available. And that maybe they can't handle it and it's not fair. So we have to be more cognizant of making assessments and allowing people to be present for us and not feeling like we have to be strong, right? Because that really is, it's just not a thing. I tell people that. I mean, for me, it's not a thing. If you're looking for me in the midst of a crisis or trauma or grief, don't look for me in the strong corner. I am definitely going to be in the fallout corner. So and I and I and I'm okay with that because once I process that, then I'm I'm on to the next and I'll wait until the next time that I have to get in the fallout for. <laughs> so I am so grateful that you took this time out uh to share um with us. Like every guest, I'm gonna give you the last word. And uh in I guess 30 seconds or less, 60 seconds. I'm gonna give you six. 60 seconds, you're a little wordy like me. So I'm going to give you 60 seconds and for you to take us out and just share whatever you want as a closeout for any of the listeners. Got you. Ooh, pressure's on. Okay, I didn't prepare for this part, but either way, um, just for those you know, other warrior princes out there, once again, just stay strong, you know, um, keep your hope. Don't forget to pray. Prayer, you know, Prayer will get you through. 
find other warrior princes that out, princesses out there for you. For those out there who are supporting us, warrior princesses, once again, thank you. We love you. We appreciate what you do. And um, like I said, however we need you, we'll let you know. And if we and if we don't tell you anything and you want to do something, just pray. And also for the other princes, for the princesses, once again, don't forget, be informed, ask questions, and advocate. That that's probably the biggest thing um, that you know I take. And then my last thing is um definitely, you know, pay it forward. And you know, and that was one reason why I chose to to participate in the podcast is other warrior princesses have helped me with their stories, with their advice, things like that. And so, um, you know, help others, you know, so you, you, if you receive a nugget or something, well, you know, find your way to help and give back and, um, and, and don't be afraid to tell your story. You know, I, 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 it took me a long time to be comfortable with being public about it. And, you know, sometimes you'll be amazed with how many uh, people you touch by just being just a little brave. And I guess I'll end that. I'm sure I'm probably at 75 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. It took me 13 plus years. Be informed, ask questions, advocate. Thank you so much, Tina Marie, for joining me on this episode of That Infertility Chip Podcast. I'm so grateful that you decided to share your story to in an effort to silence the stigma and to raise awareness. I appreciate you, and I hope that uh, any of our guests who have heard this will be encouraged, be empowered, um, and be lifted up from just the knowledge that you shared. So thanks so much and have a good one. That wraps up this episode of That Infertility Chick Podcast with your host, Sharonda Ford, author, speaker, counselor, and coach. I hope you enjoyed it and were able to learn and grow from something you heard. If you have a topic you want us to address, please be sure to share it. Feel free to like and subscribe, and don't forget to set your notifications so you don't miss an episode. We look forward to sharing with you our next episode of That Infertility Chick Podcast. God bless.